Welcome, everybody, to episode number 42 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. And just like that, after a long wait, a day like any else, I decided to triumph, to look for the opportunities, not to wait. I decided to see every problem as the opportunity to find a solution. I decided to see every desert as the opportunity to find an oasis. I decided to see every night as a mystery to solve. I decided to see every day as the new opportunity to be happy. That day I found that my only enemies were my own weaknesses. That day I lost the fear of losing and started to fear not winning. I discovered that I was not the best and maybe never have been. I stopped caring about who was the winner and who was the loser. Now, I care only about knowing more than yesterday. I learned that the hard thing is to stop climbing to the top instead of not reaching it. I learned that the best triumph that I can have is to have the right of calling someone my friend. I discovered that love is more than a feeling of being in love. Love is a philosophy of life. That day I stopped being a reflection of the few triumphs in my past, and I started to be my own tenuous light of present. I learned that it does not matter if you are all right, if you are not going to illuminate another's road. That day I decided to change so many things. That day I learned that dreams only exist to be made to come true. Since that day, I don't sleep to rest. Now I dream just for dreams. That's a uh, quick speech by the great Walt Disney. And I found it appropriate because the last time I left you on the podcast, uh, I was telling everyone that I was going on vacation and everything. And I did. We went to Universal Studios and we went to Disney World. And so I thought coming back, from the podcast, that would be an, an appropriate to bring a quote from Walt Disney. But those words of his are powerful. And what he's talking about in that moment of his life is when he had failed, when he had started a successful animation company, and then basically he was it was all taken away from him. But then he decided to start again, and he decided to create again, and he decided that he wasn't going to worry about being the best or just but just you know striving to be the best. Not not reaching the top, but continually just trying to climb and elevate and and just bring joy into other people's lives. And I felt that it was also appropriate because we're going to have a conversation with a great fire service leader today uh, named Chief Jason Hovelman talking about no exceptions leadership. And really, isn't that what leadership is all about? We're supposed to try to find the opportunities for the people that we that we lead, and we're supposed to continually just elevate and push. And it's really not about us. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people misconstrue when they talk about leadership is that it when you step into the leader role, it's no longer about you. It is about everyone else. And so many people are clout chasing and chasing that title of leader, whether it be uh, you know, a lieutenant or a captain or just a senior firefighter, right? So many people I know want to get to that senior firefighter level so they don't have to do anything. And when in reality, that level is supposed to do everything. You're supposed to elevate everyone around you. You're supposed to be that person. And and we're we're humans, right? We're not perfect. 
if I were to sit here and tell you that every time I've done something like that and every time I've been in that position, I've been perfect, that would be a lie. But the point of it is, is to try and strive to be that person that you want to be. And you're going to have bad days. Hopefully you have people around you that can pick you up or you're cognizant enough of those bad days that you can pick yourself up. And so I really thought that was kind of appropriate since, you know, when we last left, I was going on vacation and now I've come back from, from vacation and a couple of weeks off and gotten back into the groove of work and life and everything. And, you know, to read such a powerful, powerful speech and to hope and to have this great conversation with Chief Jason Hubbleman today. So I really hope you enjoy it. Um, let's not belabor the point anymore. Let's get to no exceptions leadership with Chief Jason Hovelman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Average Day Firefighter Podcast. Really excited to bring on Chief Jason Hovelman. Uh, don't know if you guys have heard of any of his stuff, but his no exceptions leadership stuff, he posts it all over social media, LinkedIn, especially. Uh, that's where I discovered it. Um, you know, and have read some of this stuff and, and have seen him at social media and, and know he's a firefighter's chief, saw him at Water on the Fire uh, in 2019, you know, has seen him on Facebook interacting on all the, the social media Facebook groups. So he's a firefighter's fire chief and really super excited to have him on to talk about just his leadership philosophies and how he came to all of it. So, Jason, uh, thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for doing an episode of the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm real excited to be here and uh, humbled you to ask. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Hey, so, you know, like we always talk about, you know, maybe people have or have not heard of you. Um, so give us a little bit of a background of your fire service experience, like when you got in the fire service, why you got in the fire service and what you're doing now. Yeah, so um, I, I grew up in a small rural community about an hour outside of St. Louis, Missouri, um, uh, called Sullivan. And when I was a teenager, or really when I was younger than that, I had a cousin uh, who became a junior firefighter. He was about eight years older than me, and um, I got the bug from him. And so when I turned 13, I joined, uh, and I've never looked back. Um, I kept pursuing uh, a career position in St. Louis County. At the time, you know, that's the only place you could go. The, the surrounding counties didn't have paid positions. So um, that was always the focus. And... I've uh, been a career firefighter for almost 25 years in St. Louis County, uh, the last 2021 with Florissant, where I'm currently the fire chief. And, um, you, you know, to at some point in my career, hadn't thought about being a chief because uh, I, was, I was a volunteer chief and, and different things. But um, it, it's a bit surreal, you know, and, and um, uh, thinking that I'm, I'm a chief up here in a, in a career department, it, it's a uh, something that you just kind of work towards, um, but wonder, you know, it's, it's hard to get, you know, and luckily for me, I, I, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to have a really good career and um, could be happier. Outstanding. I mean, you know, and that's the thing, and I know you travel around the country teaching and, and taking classes and conferences and, and I, and I do the same thing. It's, it feels like the, the guy, and maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe there's so there's another, like maybe there's like this off sect of the fire service order, but it seems like the people who are truly, truly love the job and are into it and are trying to share as much as possible through teachings and writings and podcasts, there are people that found the job very, very early in life. Like you're talking about 13 years old, you know, even younger than that. Uh, very similar, you know, situation with myself, you know, people that listen to the podcast, you know, I joined my volunteer fire department when I was 15 years old. My dad is a firefighter, you know, like, 
I, I just fell in love with this job as a, at such an early age. I mean, when I was, when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was wrestle until I got on that fire truck. And then once I got on that fire truck, it was over, you know what I mean? And it was probably very similar for you. And it just seems like that's a real, that's a trend in the fire service. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you see that uh, wherever you're going around the country? I do. I, I see that link and that connection with a lot of the people that are super engaged and who stick it out and who are influencers, no matter what their rank are. Um, it's, it's a similar story. Uh, you know, there was a, defining moment in a lot of people's careers, whether volunteer or career that pushed them into that profession, uh, the fire service. And it, it is a common link. Uh, it, I can't say it's for everybody, but the, the stories are similar. Uh, they, they're paralleled each other in a lot of different ways. And it's always interesting to hear, uh, you know, people's timelines and how they got started. And I had an uncle that was a firefighter or my grandpa was the first fire chief at this little rural town or whatever. And yeah, they're, they're very similar in that, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start talking about no exceptions leadership. That's, that's like your, your, your main program, your, your, your hashtag and all of those things. How did you, was there any sort of point that made you like come up with this no exceptions leadership? Like I know, uh, my good buddy, Ben Martin, he does the embrace the resistance stuff. And he talks about the moment where he was like looking at the nozzle and was like, man, without resistance, that stream doesn't happen. So I should embrace resistance in my leadership. And that's kind of how he, you know, came up with his whole like embrace the resistance thing. Was there anything in your life uh, or was there a specific moment or whatever that made you think of that this no exceptions leadership is the type of leader or light leadership style that you were going to develop? Yeah, actually, there was. Um, it, it was a, it was kind of a, a buildup to one moment, but basically, it surrounded itself around. Um, you know, my department is a much different department than it was 10, 12 years ago, and um, we're we're in a good place because of the people that that took us through some rough times, and I'm the beneficiary of that right now. But you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, we were in a much different place, and we had a lot of apathy in our department um, at all levels, including officers. And so that's when I started the new fire officers uh, Facebook page was not long after that. And it was kind of a place for me to vent. Um, and because I'd been an officer in my volunteer department for, you know, 20 years. And um, of course it's different from being career, but, but nonetheless, I'd had that experience and I knew what was expected of me and I knew what I expected of officers and I wasn't always getting it. And at that time there were a lot of non-rank um, individuals in our department that were the, the leaders, the informal leaders. But one particular day, um, we were at the kitchen table and a guy had gotten written up uh, a couple times for, it was not common for him to have issues with uh, citizens, mostly patients and patients, mostly patient families. And it was just his approach, right? It was his delivery. Well, it was not so much what he said, but how he said it in a lot of cases. And, um, not a great filter, but it, the conversation turned to a resident that they had ran like five times in three days. And, you know, and he was trying to make excuses about, you know, he was frustrated with going over there all the time. And, and, and you can probably, you probably heard this conversation play out in just about any firehouse or, or ambulance base or whatever. And, and I just kind of looked at him and I said, I just said, um, I said, you know, what point I want to know the number when you're allowed to give, you know, something 
be disrespectful. And, you know, because I want to know when I need to expect you to be coming down the hall to the office. One second here. And, uh, and, and, you know, that was it just kind of turned. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, listen, man, I want to know what the number is for, um, you know, whatever you can be rude to, to the residents. Is it four? Is it five? You know, what's the, what's the threshold for that? So we know when we can look at the call load and know. I said, the bottom line is this. I said, you know, I said, do you recall when you got hired here, the oath you took? You know, yeah, yeah. And we talked about it. I said, well, at any time in that oath, was there except when you're tired or except when you run that many calls to the same house or except when it's super hot, it's cold, or except when you're hot? Kept going. And I said, there's no exceptions in that oath. I said, there's no, there's no exceptions when you raised your hand and, and took that oath to take this job. There was never a time where it said except. And I said, you know, just knock it off. Just go do your job and, and train and drill. And it led into a big old long conversation about, you know, apathy and complacency and things like that. And that's kind wow. of where it was born. So, so wow. I, I, and I agree with you, right? Like, you know, you think about, you think about when you have, when you did raise your right hand and, and say that you were going to protect the citizens and, and all of that nature. And, and of course, you know, we're humans, right? Sometimes it gets the best of us, but you're right. There was never a, a butt clause. And then in there, it was like, hey, you know, it was it was it was never in there. No. How has that, uh, you know, and again, you know, we're all human and everything and, and challenges and whatnot. How has that been received? I mean, what kind of roadblocks did you have holding that heart of a line as a company officer? Uh, you know, it wasn't too bad. It took a little while and each individual grabbed onto it, you know, differently. Um, it wasn't, you know, there certainly wasn't like this wholesale change in everybody, but it did, it did establish a pretty clear expectation and boundary of what we were going to do. And there were times I failed at it um, even after that, but because exactly what we're all human, I said, but the important thing is that it doesn't define who we are. It's the exception, not the norm, <laughs> no pun intended, but um, it, you know, it just becomes a part of who you were, you know, and it, it kind of leads back to in some of my classes, I talk about chasing kinks and, that was one of the mentalities that I took on as a company officer um, and as a training officer before that is that, listen, um, you know, you take a good engine company class, uh, you know, what the cardinal rule is, nobody walks past a kink. doesn't matter what your, what your position is. It doesn't matter what your rank is. If you walk across the lawn and there's a hose kinked, you're responsible for making sure that it gets taken care of. You know, it usually takes a couple seconds, not a big deal, but has a profound impact on the effectiveness of that fire stream um, going, you know, for the interior company. And so we took the same approach, or at least I attempted to take the same approach and to instill that into my company. Um, and as a, and as a battalion chief with my shift that, listen, once we put our stuff on the apparatus and, and we've established that it's our shift, um, we're chasing kinks, meaning um, that we we're going to solve problems when we're here. Um, it doesn't matter who left the problem. It doesn't matter who created the problem. Me as an officer, if it becomes habitual, we'll deal with that. But once we're here, it's ours. And we're not going to leave it for the next crew. And we're not going to cast blame or anything like that. That's my job as the officer to fix that from that end. But when we're here, we're chasing kinks. Um, and, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the things no, no other shift wants to do or, or will do. Um, and we're going to take on the hard things because no one else wants to do them. And that's when it separates us. Man, I love that. You know, one of my mentors talked about, he, 
it's very, very similar to what you're talking about, chasing kinks. I love the chasing kinks because I love being able to to take things and make them fit for the fire service. Because so often we have these leadership concepts that maybe don't 100% fit us. And one of my mentors always said that we don't make problems personal. We just fix them. You know what I mean? But I like the the chasing kinks uh, you know, so much better because it takes it down to the firefighter level. Like, Hey, like you wouldn't walk past this kink on the fire ground. So why are you walking past this set of dirty dishes or whatever problem creates itself in the firehouse? I really, really, really like that. Um, what, uh, as we start to kind of delve into this, what, when you, you talked about expectations, like you set a group of expectations, I'm a believer that expectations are the key in leadership, especially when you're at that company officer level, what are, you don't have to get into all of them, but what are some of the expectations that you set as a company officer or even a fire chief uh, for your people? Yeah. So um, the, the, the higher you promote, the fewer expectations that you, that you, uh, okay. you put down and, and I'll explain that. So as a, as a company officer, at least this it's my opinion is as, as a company officer, um, you're very specific because your task level um, in, in the firehouse, you're hands-on with your company, and you have to have more specific um, expectations for your company. So, you know, the one thing I did when I got promoted to captain was I kind of sat down. I had a new co- a new crew, and, and and we talked about some of the issues, and I kind of did some recon from wherever the, wherever the member came from. I would talk to the people that worked with them and kind of find out you know, what made them tick, what were some um, uh, contentious points that they had or, or what have you. And, and so I, and I built my, some of my expectations around that. And most of that was like day-to-day stuff, like who cooked and who went to the grocery store and what, t- you know, one of my things was, Hey, everybody's in the kitchen at 4 PM. If whoever's cooking that day doesn't need help, then you can leave. But everybody comes to the kitchen at 4 PM. Cause there was some interesting dynamics <laughs> just about food. It was crazy, but but it was something I had to address, you know, and, and, and I had to set a couple guidelines and expectations about how we're, how we're going to go to the grocery store and who's going to go to the grocery store and, and who's going to, it was crazy, but it was something that was a problem uh, per, with personnel issues um, with the different personalities. So we got that out of the way. Um, I had a member that had been 30 plus years on the job and, um, was a stubborn and had kind of a bad taste in his mouth for the place after some different things. And some of it rightfully so, some of it not. And, and so I had to, you know, he didn't like to wear the headsets in the truck and he didn't like to wear a seatbelt. And so we had to lay all those things out. And, you know, you really have to figure out what your crew needs. And then after I addressed those, then I addressed the things that were important to me. So, timeliness in getting reports done for the ambulance crews and making sure that I know about equipment or, or issues um, with the, with the ambulance crews. Um, training is the priority every day that it'll trump everything else, except for what the citizens need. Um, you know, my, my priorities were actually, you know, the community, the department, the company, and then self. And that was the four priorities. And um, a lot of things we did hit all four. Some of them didn't. Um, you know, being present when you're there that, listen, you know, if we have downtime and you've got some personal things to work on. That's fantastic. But um, don't don't hinder what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish because you're, you know, you're too busy selling real estate or, or whatever it is. And um, and so those are just some of the things that, that we talked about. And 
and, you know, and, you know, people can say what they want, but, you know, I expect their t-shirts to be tucked in. I expect them not to be in sandals and, and flip-flops and sweatpants where the public can see them. And, you know, there's stuff like that, that sounds simple, but what you're doing early on is there's no surprises. And that's really, that really should be the goal of your expectations that there are no surprises between you and your members. And the members need an opportunity to address the captain or lieutenant, whoever that company officer is, with their expectations as well. It's not a one-way street. Um, and, uh, you know, so two things with expectations is enforce them. Um, you can't let people get away with them. Otherwise, they become null and void. And then the other part of that is you have to meet and exceed your own expectations. Dave. Yeah, I, I I agree. So get get into uh, – you talked about earlier, right, when you started that the – the higher you promote, the uh, the less expectations. Talk about what you mean by that, because I'm interested. Because I've as a as a the way that my fire department works, your first your frontline supervisor is a lieutenant, and they are in charge of rigs, uh, you know, engine trucks, whatever. And then we have captains, which captains step up into staff roles. Captains can be in charge of stations. Um, you know, here soon our captains are going to be uh, BC aides. We're starting to do uh, you know that kind of a program. Uh, you know, and, and I, I felt when I stepped up into the role of a station captain that I needed to even have more, more maybe not as specific expectations, but just as many, but maybe broader. So what do you mean by uh, by talking about like the where you promote up the less expectations? Yeah, so basically what it's not so much less expectations as it is that. Um, so the, we want we want the decisions made at the lowest level possible. So you'll have more specific expectations. Like my expectation from my chief to my staff, which are battalion chiefs and everything is, and it's our mission statement, basically, is we take care of people. And inside that, you do whatever you have to do to make sure that our people take care of our community. And then as a battalion chief, my expectations were, like you said, more, more broad, but fewer specifics, if that makes sense. So as a battalion chief, um, you know, the big thing for me was for my company officers, listen, uh, I, want, I want you and your members to be productive. I want you to be constructive as a leader. I want you to be generous. I want you to be professional and I want you to be aggressive. Those are the five primary expectations that I expected of my company officers. So, and I expected of my battalion chiefs too, but as, as you promote up, you should already have the ones you had when you started. And all you're doing is ensuring that all those things get done. And it, it, it just helps. I look at it as filtering these things down so that the, these decisions get made at the lowest level. And that's why there's there, in, in my opinion, there seems to be more specific expectations at the bottom. And as you come up, they become more broad and more, Hey, what's being generous mean? Well, that means that you spend, you put your, the, your members time ahead of yours, you offer help, you sit down and talk to your people, you tell stories and you share your failures and challenges along with everybody else. And, and so those are expectations under being generous. Now, can you buy your folks lunch and stuff? Yeah, but it's not about monetary things. So for me, it was always about, um, you know, really empowering the people directly below me. Um, and what I found was, and it, people could have different experiences and probably be just as right in what they're doing. But I found that the more, the, the higher I promoted, the more broad my expectations were. And it gave the, so when I was a battalion chief, it gave those company officers some latitude to kind of create their own inside. No, that's great. That, absolute perfect explanation. And I, and I, and I agree that 
that is a uh, really believe, you know, that empowerment and given that decision, you know, and, and so often I see, and not just in, in my job, you know, but I see it out there. There's so many, and, and I always call them like, like babysitters, like guys that think they need to babysit when in reality, they need to kind of like set the boundaries and let people go do good work. Um, you know, like, and, and as a, and I know as a, as a young Lieutenant and even as a captain, like if a, if a battalion chief showed up on a fire alarm at two in the morning, I automatically think this guy doesn't trust me. You know what I mean? I automatically think that like, why is he here? Uh, yeah. And it may not yeah. be that, right? Maybe the guy's just bored, you know what I mean? Or maybe he's just trying to like check up on it, make sure we don't need anything. But your mind automatically goes to this guy doesn't trust me. He doesn't think I can handle a fire alarm by myself at two o'clock in the morning. You know, so so I really believe in, in right. that empowerment stuff. And, and as a piece of empowerment, I want to I want to hear your opinion or or your methods rather on building relationships, because, you know, I've heard this over and over again. In order to empower someone or in order, you have to have that trust. And in order to have that trust, you have to have a good relationship with them. And this is something that I have struggled with as especially as a young firefighter and as a young officer i was very much like i don't really need anybody to like me i'll just be good at my job they'll recognize that and people will follow and that's not true at all right like sometimes i guess it's true but for the majority it's like no one's gonna listen to you even if you're the smartest guy in the world if you're if you're an asshole so you know you have to build that relationship so talk about how jason hovelman feels about building relationships and maybe some of the methods you've done to to do those things to build those relationships yeah, it's uh, it's hard because relationship really is a, it's two ways. So you've got to have reciprocal uh, conversations and and the will to have that relationship. But you know the to me the the biggest part for a company officer and you kind of you know I read a book one time and it and it, it made a really profound statement with me and basically what it talked about was um, be likable, but don't. Or, but don't do things to be liked, you know, don't compromise your principles and your values to be liked, but work to be likable, which just means treating people decent. And, and I think for me, what, what worked the best and still does for me is making yourself vulnerable in front of your peers and in front of the people that um, you're charged with, with taking care of. And I'm always hesitant to say the word subordinates or the people that, that work for you, because in all honesty, the higher you promote, the more people you work for. But um, I feel like being vulnerable and, and being transparent in, in the things that, you know, genuinely asking for help and allowing them to help you um, is a big thing. Too many get trapped in just to ask. But then when it comes time to allow that person to take action, they don't let them do it. And, and so it's it's a false you know, it's, it's an empty promise, so to speak. But, you know, I, when I had a, an engineer, the 30 plus year engineer that, you know, was as a training officer, he didn't like me because, you know, we trained and, and we did stuff and he didn't like that. But once we got to working with each other, I found places and I, things that we had in common. And one of them was soccer, for example. And his granddaughter played soccer, was about the same age as my oldest son. And, um, you know, we, we, we built a relationship there and we forged it. And the other thing is though, that I didn't have a problem telling him no, but I told him why I was told him no. And I, you know, it's like, Hey, listen, it's not a bad idea, but here's why we're not going to do it. You know? And, um, it's sometimes that why was just simply this, listen, I'm the, I'm the officer and I'm responsible for whatever happens here. And 
that risk is too much for me to just abandon whatever it is or to not do this or to not do that. Um, but in the same breath, I can give you an example that, you know, we had a car fire and our SOG required us to pull a pre-connect. Well, they're 200 feet. It was a tight lot. So stretching, it was a pain in the ass, but, um, it, you know, he came back. He's like, Hey, listen, if we don't have exposure, you know, we really need changes. We had a big long discussion. He was, and he was right on a lot of points and we were able to sit down with the battalion chiefs at the time. And, and we changed the SOG um, and gave him full credit for the alteration that was a good idea, you know? And um, I, I think that a vulnerability and not acting like you're always right or that you're the ultimate authority. And, and again, that empowerment, and sometimes it takes long and some people just flat out never get it. Some people are just never going to accept you as an officer or you as a person or the ideas of the department, some are just going to always be um, obstinate and you hold a grudge for whatever reason. And those people you just work with and, and you still nice. You still treat them like human beings and um, give them the same equal opportunities, but maybe you don't go out of your way like you do with somebody who's got a lot of movement and influence, but for me, it was it was that vulnerability, that humility and just taking time every day to talk to him about, you know, by I knew his what his wife was packing him for lunch every morning. I just asked, hey, what did Linda pack you today? You know, and it was kind of a running joke because he came to he came to work with a week's worth of food every every <laughs> that's shift. Awesome. <laughs> no, but that's that is that's all really good stuff. And 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 so so you, you said something there that really uh, that really made me. You, my ears perk up a little bit when you talked about sometimes people are never going to accept you as an officer and, and you, and you hit on it, uh, I guess a little bit, still treating them like a human, but what, is, what are some things that you have done specifically when you've come across that firefighter? Cause I think we all came across that firefighter or, or, or even officer that just, no matter what you did, they just don't like you. And you don't even really know the reason why. What, if, what are some of the things you've done to deal with that? You know, obviously you talked about still treating them like a human and still being nice to them, but what are, what are some of the things that you as a company officer or maybe even in your private life, how you dealt with that? Because I know a lot of guys that, that they struggle with that on, and they take it home with them and, and, and that's not a healthy thing. So what are some of the things you can do to deal with that? I tell them good morning every time I okay. see them and ask about their family. Okay. <laughs> Honest to goodness. Every time I saw him, I, I, Hey, good morning. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? How's your side business? Hey, how's uh, the grandkids doing? And, uh, you know, I, I mean, what do you say to that? You know, I mean, what, what are they, 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 sometimes I got ignored, but it, it certainly wasn't going right. to be from my end. I honest to goodness, that's how I do it. Um, I don't treat them any different than anybody else. Um, and uh, that goes when, when, he, when handed down discipline kind of is where some of those things can stem from, um, especially if it's significant discipline or you see it a lot when somebody doesn't get promoted. Um, but, you know, and it, it, it sometimes you can sit down and say, hey, what's your beef with me? And they'll they'll and they'll tell. I mean, I knew what this guy's problem was with me. He, he was open about it. Um, it really wasn't legitimate in my opinion and I'll ever a lot of people else's, but I wasn't changing right. his heart and mind, you know, no matter what I did. And so, you know, I didn't take it personally and um, I just treated him like anybody else. And um, I, I, I really left him when I, this was mostly when I was a battalion chief, but I really left him to his captain and 
his captain. He, you know, he took his he he would take his the company he worked with out to dinner and do things together with them all the time. And uh, and so to me, as long as they've got a relationship out there on that company level and they're doing things they need to do, I'm right. I was okay with that. I I can handle being ignored and and shunned and given dirty looks. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I, every, but if I saw him, which I did routinely, I'd say, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's, uh, you know, so-and-so and the grandkids and Hey, have you got a busy softball season this summer? Or, you know, how's the side business going? How's your knee? You know, you know it's just stuff like that, you know, and sometimes it, not a bit, usually not a big conversation, but you know what it does more than anything is it's not so much for him or her. It's for the people around you that see that, Hey, no matter what happens, I'm going to yeah, get treated no, the same. That's powerful stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and so, so, but you, and you bring that up and you talk about that and, and I don't really know the right way to necessarily phrase it, but I guess you actually truly have to care about that person in order to be able to take that step. Right. I mean, and I see that so much in officer stuff where like, and, and you can tell when it's fake, right. You can tell when it's fake. Like you can tell when someone's asking about, those things when they feel like it's because out of obligation versus someone who genuinely, genuinely cares about the person. And, and I noticed that a lot when I, when I deal with some leadership stuff is, is I don't want anybody to come, I don't want to come across as feeling fake. You know what I mean? So sometimes I, I, I sometimes I come across as maybe yeah. a little more apathetic than I want to be, but I don't want to like just say words just to say words. Cause I feel like I'm obligated you know, but so in order to, to take that step to actually truly treat that person the same, you actually have to, to care about them. I mean, how do you do that? How do you balance that, I guess, with, with, you know, this guy doesn't like you at all, but, you know, you're still taking that extra step to care about him. Like, how do you take that next step and try not to come off as being ingenuous or disingenuous? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've got a good answer for right. that because I think everybody's a little bit different in, in how they can handle those things. For me to, I don't know, I think it would be um, a little disingenuous on my part to right. say that you just do this <laughs> and it works because it, it doesn't. And, and I don't know that everybody, uh, well, let's face it, we know there's people that right. don't have the capacity to do that um, it, it, for whatever reason. And it's not an indictment on their personality or, or their, or anything else. I just found that um, between the people that have mentored me and the people that have shown me grace um, and, and forgiveness over the years, cause I've, you know, I've been far from a perfect person and employee all my entire career um, that it seems to cause the least amount of problems. And it's the easy, it's one of the easiest things in the world to do. Um, you know, I mean, how many times do you go to a store and the person passing the door you've never seen before? You go, oh, good morning, you know, and you, you've never seen them before in your life. So I don't know. I guess I look at it like, listen, I've I've spent the last 18 years with this guy and some of it at his house um, when he was an engineer and I was a private. Um, I don't I don't know that it's that hard for me to be able to ask him right. how his family by name, you know, and, and that's what makes it genuine, right? When you ask about your, their family by name um, and the specifics that they're doing, I, I just never found it that difficult. And I don't know, I, I don't know that I can hundred percent put my thumb on, on why I've done it other than I have been mentored by some folks. You know, I remember years ago before I even knew who Rick Lasky was, I, I heard his podcast way back in the, early to mid two thousands. 
when it was on fire and <laughs> oh, yeah. the format was horrible. I mean, it was, you know, you could, you could hard, you could hardly listen to it, you know, and that was when Billy mm-hmm. Goldfeder had through the smoke on firehouse and, you know, really early days of fire podcast or whatever. And, and I remember, I don't know if it was, a, it was about the same time. And, and Rick had talked about, he keeps a stack of a certain book. I think it's uh, the five people you meet in heaven or something like that. And, um, and when he would, he would, he would hand them out as he thought somebody might need it. Um, and, and so I, I, I've kind of done that, not with that book, but, you know, for example, I've got a guy here who, whose son is um, a junior in high school this year, plays football, of course, struggling with that, but he, he's committed to Navy um, and, and to play football. And I had, uh, I had read, and this isn't to blow my own horn, but it's just to give you an example, how to kind of make, you know, those build those relationships that I learned from Rick Lasky and others. Um, and how you can pass these things along to help you, you know, I've heard a book called mm-hmm. uh, raise your game by Alan Stein, a uh, good book. And I contacted him. And so I ordered a book and I sent it to Alan and Alan signed it for uh, my, my, my kids, my firefighters kid and had it shipped to him um, because I thought it would, you know, he's real athletic and really right. into it. And it's just those little things um, that you can do for your, for your people. Um you know, I, I've got a stack of books, um, how God makes men and whether you're religious or not, there's some really good stories for guys. If you're struggling, you know, and I've, I've mailed those to people and that's all from the coaching and mentoring I've gotten from people like Rick Lasky and Frank Viscuso and, and some local chiefs who you've never heard of that, um, have that personal touch. Uh, the chief that I replaced got suppled. I mean, the most, um, down to earth care about you person, um, I've ever met. And, and he probably played a big role in how I was shaped here, you know, when it comes to telling the people that don't like you good morning and all those things, you know. So um, I, to me, it just never was that difficult to do. Um, now, for some others, you know, I don't know what, you know, and, and, and who knows, somebody might do something to me sometime. I just can't do it, you know, because we're all we're all human. And sometimes we just have a tough time getting past. No, it. that's great because it's it's what you're talking about is real stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not leadership theory for you know for example like a lot like you said very disingenuous for somebody to go oh well this works and if you do it every time it works and that's so much what you hear about in the leadership realm right when you read these books and it's it seems like it's making a recipe like making a big you know uh, making cookies whereas like what you're talking about is is real stuff right and uh it's it's very powerful and, I, and it's what to me the fire service needs it's, it's we, especially we're we're not as much as people want to try to make us like other organizations or other entities we're not man we're the fire service we are unique uh no matter how many people want to say that we're not we're unique um you know so it takes a different kind of you know leadership's a little bit dirty in my opinion sometimes and and no but what you're talking about is 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 really really great stuff something you put out the other day that i want to talk about uh for a few minutes uh is you, you said the other day when you were looking uh, or you put it out on like uh, on and linkedin i think it was even on twitter maybe uh it was like a little blurb or a quote talking about how when you're looking for a company officer you're looking not necessarily at the, the one of the traits you're looking at is how they deal with adversity um so what i want to talk about is is kind of expand on that a little bit on like what you, what do you mean by how that company officer has dealt with adversity and from a chief officer perspective what kind of leadership traits are you looking for in company officers that you're going to promote? 
Yeah. So the, the first part of your question, as far as, you know, what, what I'm looking for and the full disclosure too. So when I got promoted to chief, I changed how promotions are done a little bit. So, um, and I'll circle back to that, but you know, when, when I got promoted, um, so our, when we hire firefighters, um, I'm not involved in that process really. Um, I will interview the top five candidates or whatever, but for the most part, we put a, uh, we put a one or two year person on that hiring board and we put a 30 year private and we put a captain and we put a mid range. So basically we take every demographic of our department and put it on that hiring board and they hire the new hires, the new candidates. And then um, for the captains, uh, the battalion chiefs and a, a union member are involved in that. And so um, again, I'll interview the captains that, you know, the final two or whatever are their picks, but I, I don't pick the captains now, um, the battalion chiefs do. And then the battalion chiefs, I, I, I promote those. But when I was a battalion chief, um, when I was looking at captains, what I, what I started to realize actually even before, but what I realized was the, the people that, I mean, let's face it, when you're an officer, a huge part of your job is to solve problems and you, you don't get to pick what those problems are. And if, if every time a problem is presented to you as a private or as an acting officer and you get flustered and you get mad and you get frustrated and you lash out at people and you get real emotional, you know, it, it's hard for me to look at you as a leader with a formal, in a formal sense, because that's your job. That, that's what you're going to do every single day is, is deal with adversity. And if all you do is react all the time instead of respond, which in my opinion is more of a deliberate, methodical thinking about it type decision making process, whereas reaction is purely boom and I'm in an emotional state and that's what I'm going to do. Um, I, I, I can't really trust you when the chips are down or something serious happens when the battalion chief's off duty or I'm not around um, to, to handle those things. And so I, I, and, and, and if you didn't get promoted last time, the last thing I want to see is a big, is a big spectacle, you know, during that time. And then you come back around three years later and want to try and go for promotion again. It's like, no, you know, I mean, be, being an officer is about dealing with problems every day. You know, every day you're going to get faced with some kind of problem, small, big, medium, uh, most time unexpected, usually not convenient, nor comfortable, nor fun. And, and I want officers that have demonstrated the ability to deal with that long before we promote them. Because in my experience, if they don't deal with it in, in private, you know, when they're, when they're rank and file and an acting officer, they're not going to change just because you right. put a badge on. I, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, so, so to your second point, um, what do I look for in leadership traits? I, so, you know, demonstrating the ability to deal with adversity is one, but I don't necessarily look for specific leadership traits. I look for the ability to lead. So, um, you know, when you think about, um, I want somebody that's energetic. I want somebody that's enthusiastic about the job and the opportunity I want somebody that's engaged in what we do here every day. There's certainly not a requirement for off-duty stuff, but certainly to be engaged in the department is more than just coming in and collecting your paycheck. Um, you know, I want them to have some empathy to whatever the other people are going through and that they understand that, 
they're, that, that there's a bigger world than just what those people are doing. Um, and, and there's gotta be, you know, a, a level of, um, experience, not just fire experience, but experience in dealing right. with these problems that we talked about, you know, so those are five E's that I kind of look for in, in looking at an experience. I'm not talking about years of service either. I'm talking about, um, how they've handled themselves. What, what's the, what's the quality of their experience? Not just the quality. Man, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's great. And we could probably go on another 15 hour podcast <laughs> about experience. Um, but, um, no, those are all, those are all really good points. And those are really, really good. Like I said, again, tangible, tangible things that, that is good. And it's good for the listeners too, because there's a lot of people out there that I know, um, you know, that are seeking promotion and and it's good to have the word of a fire chief, you know, to which I consider, again, if you go through your social media, you know, you're, again, I've seen you at conferences, I've seen you at the FDICs and, you know, like I said, at, at water on the fire last year, you were stretching hose in the parking deck. You know what I mean? So you're, you're a hands-on fire chief. I mean, that's, and that's what a lot of us want to work for. And so to have the, you know, what you're looking for, it's, it's valuable to the people that are listening. So as we start to, to wind it up, I know you're an avid reader. And again, you don't have to tell me every book that, that you do, but name a couple books that you think that every firefighter should read or every company officer should read or, or just anybody should read, like name Jason Hovelman's, you know, top four or five books that you should go out and get right now and put on your bookshelf and start reading. Yeah. So, you know, one book that, um, I'll start with, it's probably not on anybody's radar, although it could be, and it's not a, it's not really a leadership book. It's not a fire book. Um, but it's a book, uh, to me that really drives home perspective and empathy on the human side that we just kind of discussed. And it's called when breath becomes air. And, um, I kind of, I kind of, I listened to it and I found it by accident and I don't remember why I downloaded that book, but it really, it's about a neurosurgeon and it goes through how he became a neurosurgeon and his interactions with patients and different doctors. And then he becomes a stage four cancer patient. Um, and is and, and it, it's, it's interesting to hear his, how his take on everything changes, his perspective changed and all the empathy, you know, all those things are so different that I, as an officer, I really think it's a, it's a really important book to, from the human standpoint, okay. right? when breath becomes air. Um, And then I think a real good basic leadership book that everybody's probably heard of is um, It's Your Ship. Um, I've read it multiple times, um, but it's it's a really good um, basic foundational book that I think new and aspiring leaders can get a lot out of. And it's one that's evergreen. It's always relative, in my opinion. Um, and it's an okay. easy read, which to me is important. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And again, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, there are books outside of the fire service that we can look at and even outside of the military that, uh, cause you know, I'm, I'm, I like to read fire service books and a lot of military leadership type stuff, but there's so many other, I, I know one of my good friends, Brandon Douglas, he even said that if you're not good at reading, go read Harry Potter. Cause it's easy to read and that'll get you into being able to read. Um, yeah, because, you know, and, and, and I think that's important yeah. because we do need to be reading, especially, you know, things are you know, our job is is still blue collar at its at its core, but it's becoming more and more technical. I mean, when they're putting out 400 pages reports on why water does what it does in a room, like you got to be able to read. Um, you know, just you got to be able to sit down and do it. Yeah, you do. 
And I think the important thing too, is don't get caught up in how many books you read in a year or how many pages you read at a time. None of that matters. You know, they, you, you'll see all these YouTube videos and, and stuff. Oh, learn how to read this many books. Listen, just, is, if you read two pages a day or one page a day, and that's all you can get used to, then that's all you do. Right. And, and you'll, you'll either catch on and you'll get better and you'll do more, or you'll just keep doing one page a day, but at least read. I, I agree with you. I think reading, it changed my life. I was not a reader until I met my wife and um, I started with Stephen King novels. And then as I matured and got into different things, I got into leadership books and then I got into some business books because like in the search of excellence, it's a phenomenal book. It's all about business, but there's some really great leadership points in there. Uh, if you ever hear about management by walking mm -hmm. around, that's where that came from a guy named Tom Peters. And, 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 and it just, you know, a piece of advice that I was given by um, a mentor of mine, Jeff Johnson, he's retired chief out of Tualatin, Oregon. Um, you know, he, he basically told me, he said, if you want to be great at this job, no matter what your rank is, you've got to uh, pursue and um, uh, how, do you, how do you put it? Basically, you have to get outside of our bubble uh, and what other, what other uh, disciplines and uh, professions are doing just to kind of get a perspective on, on how you do things here. Is it going to teach you how to stretch line? No, but it might, like I'm reading a book. Um, I read a book called uh, practice perfect and it's, it's a, it's for teachers. It's how to teach. Um, and that was everything in relevant. No, but I've got probably 50 pages of tad and highlighted stuff that as an instructor, you can certainly use. And, and that's what you look for. You know, I, don't always pick the books that are always the most popular that you've heard of. Look for, read the, the descriptions and look at the reviews and find something that's interesting to you and, and just, just read it. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. And enjoy it. So as we're starting to wind down, you know, I know you teach all over the country. You've got multiple programs. Um, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, your social media, your Facebook, all that stuff, how they can get a hold of, of Jason Hubble. Yeah, so um, I've, I've kind of gotten off of Facebook, my personal page for a while with all the politics and news. I've just kind of pulled away from it for a bit. Uh, but you can get my uh, the the new fire officer Facebook page still up and active, and that's an easy way to get a hold of me. Um, you can also email me at jhovelman at gmail.com. That's an easy way to get a hold of me. And, um, you, you know, I, even if you just have a question or you want to know, um, you know, a good book to read for whatever, or you want to know about, you know, just anything at all. I'm happy to help if I can. And, um, I'm, I'm always, I always like to hear people's stories and, and, um, and uh, a lot of times they don't, they don't know. Yeah, that's awesome from them too. Well, again, Jason, thank you for the conversation. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I know that the listeners are going to enjoy it. Thanks for coming on the episode. Everybody stay tuned for some closing remarks from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Wow, what a tremendous conversation with Jason Hovelman. Again, talking about real leadership, okay? You know, we talked about it while we were, while me and him were having our conversation, but leadership is not this just bake a cake recipe that so many people are selling, you know? It's not, you know, two cups of flour and, and crack two eggs and do, and then you come up with the perfect solution. It's not that. It's real things. It's, and sometimes it's even little things, sending a book to somebody, sending them a class, sending them, you know, it's the little, little things that really can make a difference in leadership. And, and, and you know what? There's no magic bullet for it. Not everyone's always going to like you. 
you know, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily a, a bad leader. And I, I kind of had this, you know, conversation the other day with, with a guy that I talked to, you know, uh, every once in a while about leadership. And he was kind of struggling a little bit, you know, because certain people were kind of treating him a little bit different. And, and what I told him was that in my experience, a lot of times people, sometimes they don't like you as a leader when you start to hold them accountable. Like they push back against that accountability thing. So, you know, don't let that be the judge of whether you think your leadership's working or not. Um, and again, you know, there's not going to always be a perfect, you know, you may, you're going to be the perfect leader for some, and then you're going to be the worst leader for others, right? And it's all what they're, unfortunately, sometimes it's what they're looking for out of leadership. And you just kind of have to forge on, you know, listen to feedback, but sometimes you just have to forge on and just keep trying to get the wins when they come because it's not a clean business. It's a dirty business. And, you know, for every great leader, there's somebody out there that hated them. There's a whole book out there. Uh, called Leaders, and I believe it's by Stanley McChrystal. If you read that, he analyzes like eight or nine great leaders in the world, and talks, and they're all people that were that were revered leadership-wise. Like Walt Disney's even one of them. We had his message at the beginning of the podcast, uh, his speech rather. There were people that hated Walt Disney, like hated his guts, thought he was the worst person, sued him, you know, thought he was the worst person ever. They hated his guts. And he's one of the most revered leaders in, in the world, you know, and created so much. And people did so many things under his leadership. So, you know, it's not you're not always going to be the perfect person for everyone. But again, great conversation with Jason Hovelman. Look him up. He does programs all over the country. No exceptions leadership. And he does a lot of other stuff, too. Uh, some tactic stuff, multifamily dwelling stuff. I mean, really, really a, a wealth of knowledge and just a, a great, a great, great guy to have a conversation with. So have him out to your fire department. And again, I couldn't do what I do without the support of some great, great people. The first being Taylor's Tents. Taylor's Tents makes custom metal helmet fronts for your helmet. These things are awesome. I wear one on my helmet every day, and it's awesome. It's been dropped. It's been beat up. It's been in fires. It's been in ambulances. It's been in fire trucks. It's fell on the ground. It's been in battalion cars and, and all these type of things, and the thing is still looks almost brand new. Okay, you can beat them up, you can burn them up. They're going to look just like you did when you got them out of when you got them out of the package when they got to your house. So taylorstens.com, make sure you go there. He'll give you some custom art. You'll tell him what kind of design you want. It's not this drop and click all that kind of stuff. It's it's you actually interacting with someone who's going to create some great stuff for you. And they've got more than helmet fronts. They've got pump cards. They've got all sorts of things. Uh, the Water Thieves, our good friends Andy Sacadato over at the Water Thieves, they have pump cards that Taylor's Tens has made. You can put them on the side of your pump. You can put them in your in your fire coat. They're awesome. So taylorstens.com. Stop burning up leathers. Start wearing Taylor's Tens. And secondly, Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove, as well as the Squad 1 Rescue Glove. Those things are made for work. I wear MK1 Fire Gloves every day when I'm on the job, and they're awesome. They get better every time you wear them. I don't even wear work gloves anymore because the MK1s are so comfortable. I pack hose in them. I stretch lines in them. I was we were, The other day, we were doing Stokes Basket stuff. And I had a pair of MK1 fire gloves on because they're that comfortable. They have that much kind of dexterity in them. So do yourself a favor. Go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com and get you a pair of Vanguard SafetyWear MK1 fire gloves made for work. And lastly, you know what we do. Make sure you're spending one hour in the day in the gym, working on your physical fitness, preparing for the job that you said you wanted to do. 
Make sure you're spending one hour in the day in the library reading. You just got a bunch of great examples of some great books to read in this conversation. Get out there, start reading. Read something about our job, read something about leadership, read something, you know, step outside your comfort zone. And make sure you spend one hour a day putting your hands on the tools that we do and use in our job. You do that, you become a pretty phenomenal firefighter, I guarantee it. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, but stay aggressive. I'm out.